Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. That's where we're going to begin as we share together in the study of God's Word. Help us with our foundation. We're going to go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses that we're trying to memorize. We are working on verses 3 through 11, and I trust that by the end of the year we have these verses at least in our heads, if not in our hearts, so that they can be lived out through our lives. Let's read these verses together. We'll start with the reference, 2 Peter chapter 1, 5, 6, and 7. We'll say 5 through 7 as we read these verses. Then we'll read the verses, and then we will finish with the reference. Here we go. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Second Peter 1, 5 through 7. Work on these verses, hide them in your heart, put them down in your lives, and I just trust that they will be a blessing to you. Hand me another brick. We worked on a number of bricks in our lives. God has given to us the building blocks that are necessary if we're going to be his kind of people. And the block that we worked on last week was the plot. At least that's what we called it. And last week we looked into Nehemiah chapter 6, and there we discovered that there was indeed a plot against Nehemiah to try to get him to stop the work that God had called him to do. Now, this plot was the same old players as it always was, and these players were designing a plot that would destroy the work of God. Not too much different than we find today. Now, in Nehemiah's day, it was Sanballat and Gershom and the Arabs and all of the other folks that were trying to get him to stop the work on the wall. And we will remember, you will remember, that there were three areas that they tried to work in Nehemiah's life. And I think it's very important that we understand that these kinds of things will happen to us. They tried to distract Nehemiah. And they said to him, let's negotiate. Let's just get together and talk and we'll all be friends and everything's going to be okay and you'll be all right. Let's just talk about this thing. Not only they tried to negotiate, but they, they tried to distort. And in that distortion, they said, we will incriminate you. We will put out the word that you're not doing what you say you're going to do, and we're going to incriminate, we're going to impede your reputation, and we're going to get everybody to turn against you. And then they thought to discourage him. If that doesn't work, we're just going to set you apart, we're going to isolate you. Nehemiah, why don't you just go hide in the temple because people are after your life. Why don't you just quit, save yourself, forget all about this, And just focus on your own needs, poor little Nehemiah. And Nehemiah said, why should I go hide? God has called me to do a work, and I am going to fulfill that work that he has called me to do. Now, I want you to know that there is a plot today. And you and I are involved in a battle. Are you in Ephesians chapter 6? Let me begin with verse 10, and we're going to look at a number of Scripture passages this morning, so I trust that you're, you're ready to flip through your Bibles a bit and uh, underline some principles. Ephesians chapter 6, let me begin with verse 10, please. Finally, don't you like it when a preacher stands up and says, finally, and means it? 
Paul writing to the believers at Ephesus says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his mind. By the way, that was Paul saying finally. That wasn't me saying finally this morning, all right? Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, and then he outlines the armor of God. You and I need to understand we are in a battle. Peter writes, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And we need to understand that there is indeed a conspiracy against us. Now, as we look at world news, sometimes it's easy to see the conspiracy. Do you remember ISIS? Do you remember that Islamic government agency that wants to kill Christians? I mean, that's easy to see, isn't it? I don't know whether you know it or not, but ISIS has been around since 1999. In 2004, they merged with Al-Qaeda. You'll remember them. That's Osama bin Laden and that lot. And then in 2013, they separated from Al-Qaeda so that they could have their own organization. But ISIS is out to kill Christians. They are... um, Islamic terrorist group that does not believe that Christians or any other religion for that matter has the right to coexist. By the way, in the last 10 years, ISIS has killed over 100,000 Christians. Now, I don't know if that strikes you or not, but this should. That's one Christian every five minutes. We are in a battle. And although we're praying, and I trust protecting ourselves in the United States of America so that ISIS doesn't come after us, they may, but we're working on it. There are places in the world where the battle is real. And we need to understand that. But you know, the Middle East is not the only place in the world where the battle is rages. And this morning, we need to understand that the battle is not only in the Middle East, it's also here in the United States of America. Not in the same way as ISIS, but it's a battle for our hearts, battle for our minds, battle for our testimonies, so that we can be the kind of people that God wants us to be. There are three areas that I want to share with you this morning that the battle rages. The first area is this, friendship with the world. Friendship with the world. And we need to understand that the world would distract us from the task at hand. James chapter 4 says that friendship with the world is enmity against God. Whoever is a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Now you need to know this morning that the world is not our friend. This cultural system, this world system, is not something that is trying to help us live out our Christian lives. Now, there are three reasons that this world is not our friend. The first reason is this. The world is controlled by the evil one. You are aware of that, aren't you? 
This world culture in which we lived is Satan's domain. The prince of the power of the air works in the children of disobedience. And we need to understand that this world system is against us. We read in Ephesians chapter 6 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against, but against principalities, against powers, rules, darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. That's this world. They do not intend to be our friends. Okay? Friendship with the world, enemy of God. This world is not our friends. There's a second reason. The world lies in wickedness. I don't know whether you have observed it or not, but it sure seems like things aren't getting any better out there. It seems like things that used to be done behind closed doors so that nobody would observe them are in our face. And I want you to know that this old world lies in wickedness. It's deteriorating. It's degrading. And you and I need to understand that this world is not going to get any better. In fact, it's going to get so bad that God is going to take his Holy Spirit out of the world. And that's the only thing that's restraining it right now. But I'm thankful that's going to happen after we're all in heaven. Because the scripture talks about the rapture of the church. Dead in Christ, rising first, then we which are alive, caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be in the Lord. And I'll tell you what, I am hoping to go by the upper taker, not the undertaker. Hmm? And it's going to happen though, folks, because this whole world lies in wickedness. And we'd better understand that. We'd better get that in our minds. Turn with me, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul warns Timothy about the godlessness that's going to take place in the last days. Verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days there will, be, there will come times of difficulty. Boy, don't we see that. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure, rather lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying the power of it, avoid such people. This world lies in wickedness. And this world is temporary. That's good news. This world is not going to last forever. Turn to 1 John chapter 2, will you please? 1 John chapter 2. Verse 17 says, And the world passes away. And the lust of it. But he that does the will of God shall last forever. Amen? Aren't you thankful that there is something that's permanent? Aren't you looking forward to heaven? And heaven is real and heaven is certain and heaven is permanent. And when we absent our bodies, we will be present with the Lord. 
so shall we dwell with the Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. I'm looking forward to that. But this world is not our friend because it's just a temporary deal. And if we go after it too hard, we need to understand that it's not going to last. Because the world is passing away. Now, I am not somebody who believes in global warming. I don't know where you are on that particular subject. But global warming would tell us that the world is not going to be around all that much longer. In fact, within the next 10,000 years, it won't have a world. Global warming isn't anything new. The Bible said it a long time ago. And the world passing away. But he who does the will of God will last forever. Woo! I hope that encourages you this morning. Will you let that just spring up in your life? He who does the will of God lasts forever. Glory! I am looking forward to that. The, the, the world is not our friend. Now, what is in the world? Are you still in 1 John chapter 2? Look with me. i got to get there. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Now, did you note what friendship with the world's all about? The desires of the flesh. The cravings. The inner working. The stuff of life. It is not he who has the most toys wins. Those are desires of the flesh. Gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. And a lot of times that's the way we live life, isn't it? You ever have a little retail therapy? Now, I'm not against retail therapy. But let me tell you, buying stuff doesn't last long, does it? I got a whole closet of stuff. that has it made me as happy as I thought it once would? Right? The lust of the flesh. I've been on a diet for about 10 weeks. Have you noticed? Took my son and daughter-in-law and grandson to Mooville yesterday. I had a scoop of ice cream. Guilt. Agony. It sure was good. Had to have a scoop of ice cream. My son was buying. Had to have a scoop of ice cream. Lust of the flesh, right? Lust of the eyes. 
Yeah. Part of our lives. The cravings. And, you know, Scripture talks about watching your eyes. It says, he that looks on a woman to lust after her, the same's committed adultery. You know, the eyes can be a problem. The eyes are a, a gate to our souls. The psalmist says, I want to be careful what I put before my eyes. I have put things before my eyes I wish I could forget. How about you? I have allowed my eyes to see things that I shouldn't have. How about you? And I did it because I wanted it. In my case, no one has put anything in front of me and said, look at this, you need to, and forced me. Yeah, it was my own lust. It was my own sinful desire. It was my own inner workings. And frankly, today, we have a greater temptation than at any other time in history to put stuff before our eyes that we shouldn't be looking at. The computer has opened it all up for us. And all we have to do is punch a few buttons in the safety and security of our own homes. And there our eyes can lust after anything we want to lust after. The sad part? It happens to Christians just as often as it happens to unbelievers. And may I say to you this morning, if you're involved in pornography, if you can't get enough to satisfy the lust of your eyes, get some help. Because it's a problem up here and a problem in here. And there are ways that you can be helped, even if you have battled it forever and ever and ever. I'd be happy to start with you. But lust of the eyes. Jesus said the eye of the body is the light of the body. Therefore, if your eye be single, your, your focus is single. And what does the Scripture say we ought to set our eyes on? Looking unto Jesus. That's an eye thing, right? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, is now set down on the right hand of the throne of God. That's where we ought to focus our attention. Now, it's tough. It is difficult. My lust, my flesh doesn't want that to happen. And that's why I have a battle all the time. And this old world thinks it's doing me a favor by putting that stuff out there for me. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. Boastfulness of stuff in, in my life. Things that I think I want. Things that will satisfy, make me somebody. That's the world, folks. And friendship with the world makes us an enemy. The world doesn't want to be our friends. We're in a battle, right? We're in a battle. And we'd better know that. 
not only are we in a battle that wants to distract us, friendship with the world. We're in a battle that wants to distort the truth. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2, will you please? 1 Peter chapter 2. Let me begin with verse 11, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Stop, just stop right there. What are we called? Got it in front of you? What, what's it say? We are what? Sojourners and we live in what? Exile, Right? That means that we're only here temporarily. We're only passing through, right? That means that this is not our home. There's something a whole lot better that we're going to. We're only travelers. I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Jump down to verse 20, please. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, endure This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. You've seen the WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? They're on T-shirts. I have a hat that says it. They're on bracelets. WWG. What would Jesus do? Right? Do you see here in 1 Peter where we're told to follow in his steps and how it is associated with suffering? I don't know about that. I don't know where I signed up for that one or not. But we're told as sojourners and aliens, we need to make sure that when they slander us, when they speak evil against us, We, by our conduct, honorable conduct, verse 12, live a life that so pleases God it puts them to shame. Amen? The world is out to slander us. You remember this picture? 1987. This is a crucifix that was submerged in urine. They said that was art. In fact, it was the winner of the Southeast Center for Contemporary Arts, and that was funded by the National Endowment for the Arts, a governmental agency. Now, we are told that because of a cartoon, Somalians killed our ambassador. I don't believe that, but that was what we were told, wasn't it? And yet the world is out to slander us. It seems to me 
that Christianity is one of the few religions that for some reason is a target, an appropriate target for this old world. Remember this one? Kentucky Court County Clerk who very recently was jailed for her stand against granting union licenses, I still can't say marriage, union licenses in the state of Kentucky. Her name? Kim Davis. Her refusal was religious grounds, and she was jailed. I don't know where you stand on that whole thing. And you may, you may say, well, it was her job. She should have done it. Or she should have resigned herself. She took that position before that was ever her job. Point is, she stood up and said, as a Christian, I cannot do this. And they threw her in jail. That's in the United States of America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. World slander, it's out there, folks. And it may well come to us. I was talking with one of our folks this past week who interviewed for a job. The job happened to be at a uh, church where there is a female pastor. As this interview was taking place, This person said, you know, if I get this job, I'll be happy to do the job, but I'm sorry my theological position does not allow me to call you pastor because I don't believe in women pastors. No, she didn't get the job. I don't know that that was why she didn't get the job. But I was, I, I told her, I'm so proud of you. You stood up and you took a stand. And you said, this is where I am, and God's going to take care of me no matter what. You know, folks, we have to do that today. We have to be forthright. We have to stand up and we have to take a stand. Because the world is speaking against us. Turn over to chapter 3 of First Peter, will you please? 1 Peter chapter 3, let me begin with verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Now who is there to harm you if you be zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Amen? Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason of the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame, for it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Amen? If the world is going to slander us, so be it. I am going to suffer for doing what's good. 
I'm going to suffer for righteousness' sake. I'm going to suffer for living a life that I trust pleases God. We're there. We're in a battle. It's a fight. Do not get comfortable because the enemy will do all it can to overtake us. One more passage of Scripture, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This world would have us be discouraged. Discouraged because of the world's religion. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 3 and 4. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his coming, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if anyone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Jump down to verse 13, please. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, so that it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond with their deeds. I have a number of unsaved friends who regularly question me and say, Tom, what's the difference? Isn't everybody after the same thing, eternal life? Isn't everybody wanting a relationship with God? Isn't that, isn't that enough? I, I mean, what, what, what's the difference between baptism and such, and such 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 and such. Everybody's going to the same place. We have in our country the Pope visiting us. He, he perhaps could be considered the chief religious person of the world's religions. But you know what the Pope has said? He believes that Muslims worship and pray to the one God that he also worships. You know what else he has to say? He believes that all roads lead to the same God. And on June of 2014, he said... There are those who believe you can have a personal, direct, and immediate relationship with Jesus Christ outside the communion and meditation of the church. Now listen. These temptations are dangerous and harmful. What temptations? That you can have a personal, direct, immediate relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you. 
the world's religions are out to confuse the world. They're not out to confirm the Scripture. They're out to confuse the world. And we're battling that. Don't think that just because you can get it at a Christian bookstore, it follows the truth of this book. Don't think that just because you hear it on Christian radio or television, it's necessarily following this truth. Don't think that just because some guy says it, even if it's me, that it's right. Because if God said it, that settles it. Amen? And it's this book that has the final say in our lives. And I am thankful for that. So what do we do about that? Jude tells us that we need to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Amen? We're in a battle, folks. There's a plot. A plot against us. You better know it. Because it's out there. And this world system, the world's slander, the world's religions are not trying to help us who know God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and believe in the inerrant truths of the Word of God. Now, what does that mean to us? One more passage of Scripture. Titus, please. Titus chapter 2. Verse 11, Titus 2.11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. What does that do? Verse 12, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live soberly, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope. Jesus is coming again waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his own possession who are zealous of good works. And God's God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for truth. Your word is truth. And I pray that you would help us to stay true Stay connected to your word. Stay, Father, committed to your word. Stay, Father, understanding that it is your word that makes a difference in our lives. And, Father, I'm thankful that you've given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness so that we can live out your world in this place at this time for your glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Keep me true, Lord Jesus, keep me true. Keep me true, Lord Jesus, keep me true. Let's stand together, please.